0: what you have for me today and lord don't let me uh have ears that hear but don't really apply or understand what i'm learning today but i pray god that you'd not only give me ears to hear but a a heart to respond and to obey your word and god i give you the praise and the glory for what you're doing in my life right now in jesus name in jesus name amen you may be seated amen My name, if you didn't already know, is A.J. Dummett. I am the pastor here, and uh, I am welcoming all of you, all of our guests, all of our friends, all of our members. I'm so glad that you're here, and I know that I say that, but... You know, it would be weird if I went to church by myself. So I'm really glad that you're here today. And uh, for those of you who are watching us online, on live stream, uh, and uh, following along with us, maybe many miles away, maybe just a few miles away, uh, I want to say welcome and thank you for being with us. We know that most people check us out online and see how crazy we are before they actually come to a service. So thank you for checking us out, and we really hope to see you in person soon. But today is a really special day. This is a very special day at the crossroads. Uh, We have the largest dedication service that we have ever assembled. And so at the close of the service today, we will have 11 children that we're going to present. 11 children. Isn't that awesome? 11 children today. Amen. We're going to present those 11 children along with ourselves to the Lord, and uh, those children are are special. We're excited. Colton, Grayson, Reed, Josiah, Tariah, Zaniah, uh, Felicia, Isaac, Talaya, Aries, and Carwins. We're glad that all of them are going to be dedicated today to the Lord. It's going to be a special day. Amen? Amen. And I'm so happy that you are here with us for this historic event. Uh, never in the history of the crossroads have we had so many on one day. And it's exciting. We're, we're thankful for what God is doing. Somebody told me the other day, they said, you know, uh, we never have baby dedications at our church. And I said, you don't? They were like surprised. They were like, baby, you don't? I, I, I said, you don't have them. they said, well, but we don't have them anymore. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, because we don't have any young people at our church. And I said, oh, my goodness. Well, you need to come to a church where there's young people. We love families. We love kids. Amen. This is a good church. Amen. God spoke clearly to me about this service and about what I would speak on. And uh, I believe you'll see why in just a few moments. Uh, But Leonard Ravenhill told about a group of tourists who were visiting a picturesque village. They walked by an old man sitting on a fence. And uh, in a rather patronizing way, uh, one of the tourists asked, Hey, were any great men born in this village? And the old man replied, Nope, only babies. (laughs) Amen. Only babies. And then Adrian Rogers, who was former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he tells about the man who made his sons work in the cornfield while their friends spent the afternoon at the swimming hole so somebody scolded the father and said you know why do you make those boys work so hard you don't you don't need all that corn anyways and the wise father replied sir i'm not raising corn i'm raising boys right. amen amen so what exactly are we doing what exactly is a baby dedication i'm glad that you ask what do you do pastor when you dedicate children to the lord well that's that's good to know because that's what we're going to do, and I don't want you to leave this service being like, I don't know what just happened. So I would really like for you guys to know what we do. Well, let me just tell you what a baby, ded- a baby dedication is. So most of you know this. We do not baptize babies here. We just don't do it. Uh, we we don't find any precedent for it in Scripture. Matter of fact, uh, we... we Realize that people have to understand what they're doing when they submit themselves for baptism because if they don't then it really doesn't matter anyways it's just like taking a bath so some people do baby baptisms we just call them baths we don't do baths here are you with me When we baptize people, it's because they decided that they wanted to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we put uh, robes on them, we bring them down into the baptismal tank, and we do that on their request, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. That's how we do things. Amen? But babies, we don't baptize, we don't sprinkle them, we don't dunk them, we don't pour water over them, unless we're just having a water fight, and then it's all fun. But what we do baby baby dedications for, and what a baby dedication is, it's actually the dedication of the parents to rear their children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It's an act whereby they make promises in the presence of assembled witnesses that as parents, they are going to do their part in helping to prepare their child for eternity. So dedication is like Hannah who after asking God for a child and having her request granted brought Samuel to the temple and literally in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 1 verses 20 through 22 we see that she literally gave him to the Lord. A baby's dedication is stating that parents are giving their child back to God and that they will obey, the parents will, they will obey and submit to God's word in order to give their child a godly home environment that is conducive for them to learn and to witness the love of God displayed so that it will in a natural way that child will come to the place where they would want to come to Jesus Christ in repentance and be born again. That's what baby dedication is all about. So my plan today is to move rather quickly because I don't want to lose your attention, but I want to move clearly towards the goal of understanding what God would have for us. The scripture likens us to temples. Anybody know that? The temples of God. And we we sing songs like, you know, fill this place. We don't want God to just fill this building. We want God to fill this place. (laughs) We want God to fill our temple, right? And so all throughout the scripture... The scriptures liken us to the temples of God. Our hearts are a home for God to dwell. And there are numerous building references in the scripture giving us insight on the structure and the form that each of us are supposed to be taking in our relationship with God. So with this in mind, I want to discuss just for a few moments, and some of you might think this is out of context, but just bear with me. I want to discuss what is going on with our church building. I want to talk about that for just a second. I'm not, it doesn't make me real happy to talk about it, but let's talk about it nonetheless. In our church building, you can see we have these, uh, these beams that are basically holding up the, the ceiling. Um, and you might be wondering, why is that? Why are those there? Well, I, I came prepared today. I want to show you a few pictures. And uh, so they're going to help me. I believe they're going to help me. Are they going to help me? James, are you going to help me? James is going to help me. Good. All right. So that's what it looks like up in our attic right now. Many of you already know that the trusses in our ceiling here are failing and we had to put up the shoring and we had to brace the ceiling trusses in order to be able to even have service in here. After two different engineers now have been through the ceiling and been through our attic and through these trusses and they have done a reverse engineering test that was just finished recently on our trusses, here's what we know. The trusses were installed correctly and we do have proper ventilation in our attic, but the materials used in the trusses themselves was not adequate for the loads of pressure that they would face. So for 20 years at least, from 1997 until 2017, there was really no sign, no indication that anything was wrong. But in the summer of 2017, we started looking up and seeing a lot of cracks in our drywall. And somebody said, Pastor, we need to get that checked out so that the drywall doesn't fall on you while you're preaching. And I said, that would probably be a good thing. So we started seeing these. So we, we had somebody go up into the, into the attic um, Joe Joe went up in the attic we sent Joe up there and uh, said good luck buddy no we sent Joe up in the attic and he took some pictures and he sent some pictures down to show us uh, what was going on so I, I'm going to ask you I don't know what, what you've seen already but go back to the picture where you see the broken truss and this is what Joe sends me that, that one yeah that one's fine right there so this is what we see a broken truss, and I was like well that's not right at all Uh, something is not good and then uh, we found out so we we had to call our insurance company and we sent them the pictures and they sent people over what we have found to make a long story short we found that the significant snowfall which was over 20 is like 24 25 inches that we received in March of 2015 has had caused one of the trusses to break And after it broke, just over the last year or so, there was a lot of shifting, load shifting up in the ceiling with our trusses, and so they began to fail. And so the engineers have told us that the materials that they used when the trusses were manufactured were not adequate for the load. You couldn't have known, I couldn't have known. I got here in 97, or I got here in 2001, the building was finished in 97. I never stepped foot in the building until 2001. I had no clue. Tell you the truth, I've been up in the attic a couple times, but it's dark up there, and I was not inspecting trusses while well I was up there, so I had no clue. The building inspector didn't catch it. The contractor didn't catch it. The the trust manufacturer didn't catch it, and the insurance company who insured us they for sure didn't catch it. But nonetheless, after the test, we have found the the materials that were used were not adequate for the pressure so to make a long story even shorter this is what I want to say the trusses should have been built better in order to withstand the pressures that would eventually be placed upon them and that's where I want to draw the thought that I have for you today what materials are you using in the building of those little houses that we will dedicate in just a few moments All right. Will they be properly prepared for the pressures of life that will no doubt find them in the future? How does this, how does this happen? How does this take place? Well, life happens to everybody. <laughs> and if our children are not properly prepared for life, you've seen the commercial that says life comes at you fast, right? It's a Believe it or not, it's an insurance commercial. Life comes at you fast for everything else there's allstate it's an insurance commercial you're supposed to be able to count on insurance but guess what we have found out you can't and so we are uh, moving forward with legal uh, action and we're, we're trying to do everything we can we're trying to get these repair designs ready to go and probably within the next few months uh, we're all gonna be out of here we're gonna have to else for a few months and then all this drywall all the lights all the fans all the speakers everything's got to come down and then we're going to have to put in an expensive repair design into each truss and each truss is then going to have to be re-inspected by uh, these professional inspectors. Sounds like a lot of fun doesn't it? It's awesome. It could have all been avoided had we used the proper materials had the proper materials been used to begin with. So with that I want to draw your attention to a few scriptures. Proverbs chapter 24, and I'm going to let you stay seated because I'm going to just kind of read through them. Proverbs 24, in the New King James, verses 3 through 6, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety person that says I don't need anybody to tell me what to do well a wise man does a wise person knows that there is safety in counsel so thank you parents thank you families for joining me today and allowing me to counsel you for just a few moments Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 in the uh, New American Standard Bible says for every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God Jeremiah twenty two thirteen says, Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice. So let me let me get to where I'm going. Psalm one hundred twenty seven and verse one in the New King James, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The Bible tells us that children, if you keep reading on in Psalm 127, the Bible tells us children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. One dictionary gives the following definition for the word heritage. Heritage is property that is or can be inherited an inheritance. So when we look at that, uh, something that is passed down from preceding generations, a tradition, A proper reading then of Psalm 127 verse 3 for us would indicate that special care should be rendered and special attention should be given to ensure that the inheritance is suitable for passing on to future generations for eternity. The word inheritance or heritage also conveys a sense of responsibility for us to build and prepare. This dedication today is really, it's it's a symbol, it's an act of the parent's purpose and decision to prepare to build their child for eternal life for future generations with Jesus Christ. God gives us children as a precious gift and because of this gift, we've got to be willing to prepare them. We've got to be willing to build them. There's a lot of parents out there that are not doing this. Amen. So many parents out there that are just, I mean, it's just not happening and it's, it's really, it's, it's very upsetting. When I go to the store or when I'm out and about and I see parents that are not properly training their children, they're not preparing them, they're not building them, they're tearing them down, they're cussing at them, they're flipping cigarette butts at them. I've seen it, folks. I've seen them slap their kids. I've seen them hit kids. I've seen some of the worst things happen. And and I'm thinking, what is that kid learning from this? Now, granted, my wife, we were talking about this the other day. Granted, we don't see what that little stinker was doing before. But some of the stuff that that stinker was doing before still didn't warrant that parent's actions. So I ask you today, what are you building with? What materials are you using? A very important aspect of... Preparing or building our children for future generations is their training that they get from us. The scripture tells us, and my mother used to quote this to me. I I used to get so frustrated, but she would quote this to me. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. She said, that's my job. That's what I got to do. You might not like it, but that's my job. Amen. So now I realize I've got a job. I have a, 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 a task, a mission at, at hand. And I have children, sorry, I have children that have to have constant attention and constant training. So why should we train and why should we prepare them in the right way? Well, the Bible says to. Yeah. and Some people don't believe the Bible. Some people don't accept the Bible. So why should we do it? Well, let me give you just, a, you know, a for instance. Um. How many of you have ever been driving down the road and you were not really paying any attention to your speed? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see a police officer parked off to the left or off to the right. And you see he's just kind of sitting there just smiling at you. How many of you ever... What did you do when you saw the police officer just instinctively? You switch from the... How, how, come on now, how many of you, raise your hand, how many of you have done that? Okay, now why did you do that? Most of us do it because we're like, oh, that's the law. (laughs) I may be breaking the law, I gotta check, check my speed here, right? And sometimes we don't pay attention, and so because there's a law, we're like, oh, we're gonna have to slow down. Instead of, that's being motivated by the law or motivated by what can happen, by the punishment for not following the speed limit. What if you had a lot of precious babies in your vehicle? Maybe like you're bringing your your first child home from the hospital. How many of you remember that? Oh, that was nerve-wracking. You're like, you trust me to take this baby home? Are you kidding? I don't know what I'm doing. And then it's like, i got to drive down the road with this baby in the car? This is scary. People could hit me, things could happen. I remember one time, my mom's going to kill me for this, but she gets to talk next Sunday in Louisville, so she'll probably get me back. But I remember when we were in, in Minnesota, we were coming home from Minnesota, and we got hit by a drunk driver. My mom was so mad, she jumped out of the car, and she, it, of course, me and my sister, we were small, and we were sleeping, and all of a sudden, we're in the floor, and we're awake. And uh, so, it was kind of one of those things. She jumped out, and she's like, if my kids are hurt, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot about my childhood, but I do remember that day. That was, that was an interesting day. You, you, you feel such a sense of protection and urgency. Uh, and so some of us, we obey the speed limit because there's a law. And others of us, we obey the speed limit because we're driving in the car with our family and they're precious to us. And we don't want to take any chances. Now, one is motivated by law. The other one is motivated by love. So my point here is yes I could smash all these parents today I could say the Bible says it and the Bible says it. and the really let me just say it like this yes the Bible says it And there is punishment if we don't do this right. And yes, you could have to deal with this kind of stuff in your kid's life if we don't do this right. But let's not do it because we have to or because there's law or there's punishment. Let's do it because we love our kids. Let's do it because, you know, God has given us a heritage. God has given us a blessing and he's blessed us with these gifts. Amen. That we can train and we can raise the right way. So let's not do it out of fear. Let's do it out of love. It will not profit our children if we instruct them in the ways of the Lord, but we do not walk righteously before God ourselves. You've, you've heard my, my rant before about the kid that was looking up at his dad and asked his dad if he could have a cigarette. And his dad's like, don't you ever smoke? And he's smoking. Dad, I want to say, no, don't you ever smoke? How, what are we teaching them? What are we showing them? If we tell them, you need to go to church, I got to get you in church, you got to get, well, what about us? We have to be faithful to the house of God. How can our children expect to pick up these righteous things and these good things and these holy things if we're not living that way ourselves? Our children will become what we example for them. The scripture says it like this in Proverbs 27. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. That means whenever we are examples, we... Uh, are good examples to our children as Christ is our example, then guess what? Our kids will follow that example. Our kids will follow. Whatever's important to you will be important to your children. If sports are important to you, they'll be important to your children. You know, I never went to the Ohio State University, but my dad did. So guess what? I kind of like the Ohio State University. Okay, I, I like it a lot. <laughs> but my point is, I learned that from a young age it was important. You know, we 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 kind of followed what was going on uh, with with their football program now. There's a lot of things. Some people are into uh, hobbies. They're into golf or they're into, you know, crafts or they're into whatever. That, whatever that is important to you, it's going to be important to them. So as you example that and as you model that, uh, you have to keep in mind what materials are you using to build your children with. Because some things aren't bad. I mean, some things are just, it's just life. We just enjoy the things of life. But then there are other things that can be dangerous and harmful. My parents were good at helping me understand how much they loved me. Um, do you know why I can say that? I, I can say that because they consistently disciplined me. The book of Proverbs teaches us many lessons concerning the discipline and training that we have got to provide for our children. One of the, one of the ones that my mom used to love, the, the, rod of, uh, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame see I think she was trying to motivate me out of fear she loved me so much that she put the fear of God in me you know what I'm saying but Proverbs twenty-nine, seventeen says correct thy son and he shall give thee rest yea he shall give thee delight unto thy soul and then the other one that she loved he that spareth his rod hateth his son but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes what does that mean Well, I can tell you I had a lot of spankings. That's all I'm going to tell you. Now, what are you saying? I'm saying, that that didn't say that my parents were bad parents. That means my parents were awesome parents. You, You think that my parents were mean and cruel because they spanked me? Oh, no. No, my parents loved me. They loved me enough not to let me be a brat. They loved me enough not to let me learn how to steal and lie and cheat and cut the rules. They, they, lo- they loved me so much, they didn't want me to learn the wrong things and have pressures in life that would eventually buckle me. And so they disciplined me. Now, some of you are getting nervous because whenever I start talking about discipline and spankings and stuff, you get real nervous. Don't look. Let not your hearts be troubled. Okay? I, I'm not talking about abuse here. We've got to be careful that we have the proper motivation and discipline. Any discipline that we give to our child should be done for their profit and not simply to release our own anger and or our frustration. We're instructed to discipline our children in the manner that the Lord disciplines us. And God never strikes out at us in anger, and so neither should we. As a matter of fact, if you want to really know, God is much more long-suffering with us than we are with our children. The scripture tells us, fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Colossians 3.21. This is hard for me because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get you to do the right things. And, you know, my wife's like, you need to chill. I'm like, okay, okay. She's like, you go from zero to a hundred in like no time at all. And you're just ready to go. And I said, I'm just trying to help them. And, you know, she's much more patient than I am. Thank God for wives who balance us out. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So there was something very important when Jesus said, Suffer them. Right? Parents with young children, suffer them. Okay? Just suffer them. Suffer because you have them. You, like, suffer because you don't get sleep. You suffer because they're constantly making a mess and you never feel like your house is clean and you never get a chance to do anything on your own and you even, like, you'll lock yourself in the bathroom sometimes just to get a moment of peace. Suffer them. Suffer them. Why? For such is the kingdom of heaven because we learn so much about the kingdom of heaven. We learn so much about God and about ourselves through our children as parents we must instill uh, confidence and self esteem in our children not, not a pride but a confidence that originates in, this, in the knowledge of whose we are and not just who we are you know I, I've heard uh, many of you probably have some kind of funny saying in your family right you know uh, some people say well we're whatever let me pick, let me pick on somebody we're, we're Rogers and Rogers don't quit you know you know or or we're Jacobs and, and Jacobs never surrender, you know, or whatever you, you know, you come up with stuff. Our family, we have some funny stuff too. I mean, you know, we say stuff, well, we're dummets and dummets, you know whatever. One of our favorite family sayings is, Rome wasn't built in the day because the dummets weren't there." <laughs> If the dumbest were there, it would have been finished. But, but it's just kind of one of those things because we're all go-getters and we like to do stuff. So it's just. But I'm not saying that you have to have an idea of who you are, but you have to know whose you are. And your kids have to know whose they are. Not just that they belong to you, but they belong to God. That you have dedicated them and you have dedicated yourselves to raising them. And the scripture tells us in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So what, mater- what materials are you using now to build your children with? Let me give you three ways, and I think I'm going I'm to be quick here. Let me give you three ways today to use the right materials. How many of you want to use the right materials to build your children? Nobody says, I want to use the wrong stuff. You know, I want them to turn out really bad. You know, I hope my child's behind bars. No, nobody does that. Right? We don't think that way. We're not walking around saying, man, I hope my kids get addicted to something you don't want that for your kids. So if we don't want that, then we have to properly prepare and we have to properly build some things into them. So let me give you three things. All right, first thing is you need to set biblical priorities in the home. Set biblical priorities in the home. I'm going to give you things that I have seen modeled in my life and I endeavor to model in my life. First and foremost, we must set biblical priorities in our homes and in our hearts. The three basic priorities that we should have as Christians should be, number one, our relationship with God. Number two should be our relationship with our family members. And number three should be our involvement in the ministry of a local church. Now I got to, you all, got real quiet. <laughs> I know. I I I told you I'm going to give you my three main values. Number one, your relationship with God. Number two, your relationship with your family. And number three, your activity in ministry in a local assembly. Well, I'm not called to ministry. We're all called to ministry. There was all the a lot of these guys that were in here today. Uh, they were out in the parking lot, or they were shaking hands. Some of the ladies were shaking hands when they came. They're already starting to understand we've got to be active in ministry in our local assembly. Why? Because it builds something into our kids. When I I can't, I can't tell you how many times when I was five, six, seven years old, I would walk around with my my senior pastor seniors. Uh, the the sister Kinsey she was the pastors uh, mother-in-law but they used to be the pastor before the new pastor came before the son took over the son-in-law and so they they he was there and I used to walk around sister Kinsey we had a job you know what me and sister Kinsey did we would take a coffee pot we would fill it up with water or a bucket and we would fill it up with water and we would go water all the plants in the church that's what I did when I was five and six years old why Because my parents were there doing ministry, and my family was there anyways, and so instead of just sitting around, they found ways to get me involved and to do things. What kid doesn't like to slosh around water and dump it into plants? I mean, that was awesome. I thought I was like the coolest kid. I got to do some of the cool stuff that nobody else got to do. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that there are three things. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and your activity, your, your involvement in ministry in a local assembly. That, that should be your basic and first priority. These must be the central and core values of our walk with God. God first, family second, ministry third. Jesus said it best, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33 We believe that the kingdom of God is inside of us. The Holy Spirit. And and it's imperative that we, first and foremost, have a genuine day-to-day relationship with the Almighty. That's got to be first. Prayer and the study of God's Word are essential, for it's only through God's wisdom and leadership that we will ever have the courage. And fortitude that is needed to raise a family in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. You can't raise a family in the fear and the admonition of the Lord without praying. You can't do it without consulting God and getting into his word and finding out what he wants for you. So the very first thing that we have to do, we've got to be like uh, uh, 1 Chronicles 12.32. We've got to be like the children of Issachar. The scripture says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. We've got to know the right things to do. We've got to know the ways to lead our children. We won't know unless we ask God. We won't know unless we have a relationship with Him. The same priority must also be exhibited and taught to our children. Seek God first. That's got to be first and foremost. If they think, seek Xbox first. We're missing something. Seek sports and fame and popularity first. We're missing something. Seek God first. From the time our children are old enough to understand and comprehend what we're saying about the Lord and His goodness, we need to stress to them that they need to know Jesus Christ for themselves. They can't ride on our coattails. As mothers and fathers, we may love them, but we cannot save them. They need to have their own walk with God. They need to establish their own prayer life. They need their own time of devotion with the Lord. And as parents, we need to set the example that our number one priority in life is knowing and serving our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we tell them, you go to church and you pray and you should do this, but we never do it, what does that say to our kids? As parents, our focus should be upon establishing a home environment that is conducive to a positive, enjoyable experience in serving the Lord. You know, I, I've got to just say this. Some, some people ask me, they said, did your parents make you go to church? What do you think that answer would be? Some of you say yes. Who says no? Who says my parents didn't make me go to church? All right. Well, some of you, you're right and you're wrong. I never really even asked. I didn't even really, it didn't even really cross my mind to ask, are we going to church today? I never had to ask. I never had to wonder. If there was a church, something going on, we were going to be there. If it was prayer meeting, we were there. If it was work day, we were there. Bible study, we were there. Church service, revival service, you name it. If it was going on, and there were church people there, guess where we would be? Church... That's just where we, and I never thought twice about it. I never said, uh, Mom, do I have to go to church today? Like, did you ever remember me asking that, Mom? Did I ever ask that? So you could say that my parents made me go to church, but it just was our custom. It just became what we did. I never wondered about it. And some people are like, well, my kids don't want to go to church. Well, no, they don't want to go because Xbox is more fun. Playstation's more fun. Hanging out with the kids and riding around—that's that's more fun to them. But what are you building into them? Well, my parent, my kids are going to act up in church. So don't all kids? You know, people that, oh, Pastor, does it bother you when, when the kids cry? I'm like, no, no. You know, we do have a nursery, so if they can go in there, that makes it nicer for everybody else. But it doesn't bother me. Does it bother you when kids run across? No, my kids used to run across the front and dance on the platform and do all kinds of crazy stuff. That's kids. But guess what? At least they're here. I'd rather have them here and dancing across the front. I'd rather have them here and making noise and making a ruckus and be like, Johnny, be quiet. We're trying to listen to... Come on, somebody. I'd rather have them here. Amen. Can I, can I just tell you this? One of the real joys of life that can be fostered in your home is centering your priorities on Jesus. Centering your priorities on Jesus and your family. Now, I said set biblical priorities, right? How many of you remember that? That's number one, set biblical. If you don't have biblical priorities, the world will set your priorities for you. Soccer, football, basketball, shopping, prom—all that will set your priorities for you. If you're not careful, uh, you'll you'll turn around and you'll be like, "Where did my kids go?" Because the world—if you don't put—if you don't put some things in and biblical priorities in, you know what's going to happen. The world's going to set those things for you, and, and those all the things that seem so important when you really grow and you you you. Realize those things didn't really matter that much at all. So number one is set biblical priorities. I, I know children need to see that life is more about money and things. I know that money and things may make life more comfortable, but they need to experience a real relationship with God through you. And then I say, I try to introduce my kids to Jesus. I, I don't know if I'm, this is going to sound maybe kind of cheesy, but my kids have my kids have. School questions that are, they're biblical questions, sometimes they're just questions about God. I was having, and she's not in here so I won't pick on her, but my oldest and I, we were having a discussion the other day, and she said, Dad you know when you're praying and you start to feel that heaviness come on you? That burden for something? I said, yeah. So we talked about it, and we talked about how to pray, and what what you should do when those things happen and how to respond and it, you say well that's you know that's just you just have perfect kids they weren't always perfect kids i mean and they're really still not perfect kids they just appear to be perfect they're just not they're good kids but they're not perfect and the jury's still out whether or not they're going to turn out okay we're 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 still praying and hoping and believing but the point that I'm trying to make is you won't have those kind of conversations with your kids if you never talk about the things of God, if you never pray with them, if they're not ever exposed to what a relationship with God looks like. You know, uh, some days I feel like my wife is uh, the most amazing mother because she just, like she examples Jesus to them and she'll tell she'll, she's probably over there shaking her head now. But, but sometimes she will, she will say and do things and she'll be so patient with them and help them. And sometimes stuff they say is not even funny and she laughs at them. And I'm like, that's not even funny. but she's laughing. <laughs> because she shows them what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and it be joyful. And it be fun. And it be happy. Set biblical priorities in your home. God first, and then your family. And and while we're on family, let's move to number two. Number two is structure your family as a team. Structure your family as a team. Parents, we need to build a family team. All for one and one for all. That's the concept. It's not just dad and mom who are involved in the ministry of the church. It's not just dad and mom who do everything at home. So you're getting- It's not just dad and mom who do everything at home. I'm gonna just let it sink in. This family team concept is fostered by doing things together as a family. What are you saying? I'm saying that you should do some things together as a family. You should uh, communicate because communication is absolutely vital in raising children. And one of the most successful events in a nurturing family uh, is to have an evening meal together. Have a meal together every day and put the cell phones away. Oh, I knew that would be popular. Mom, Dad, you can put it down for a few minutes too. You know, I have a 10 year old son that loves to eat as fast as he can. And he knows, you know, as soon as I get done, man, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that. And he's, you know, got things lined up and people lined up. He, everybody loves him, you know. He's just the life of the party. And I, I sometimes, not every day, but almost, almost every day, I'm like, where are you going? No, 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 sit back down. We're still having family time. So every once in a while, he'll get in and be like, can I be excused? Can I be excused? He's ready to go. But we enjoy family time. We talk. It's it's our time together. We, We like to have time together. Now, some of you say, well, Pastor, that's you. That's nice. That's your perfect family. I don't have a perfect family. Matter of fact, we're so busy, my wife, sometimes she has to, like, look, she has to get my, uh, my, my schedule book and she has to be like, okay, look, no, 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 you can't do that. We, we got to have some time as family. And if I don't do that, then she gives me the look. <laughs> she lets me know that's not acceptable. Why? Because family is important and our family is a team. So we communicated about our day's events. We communicate about our challenges, the problems, the difficulties that we encounter, the victories that we've won. But we establish and we make some family memories and traditions, like around Christmas season, Thanksgiving, Easter, whatever uh, special holiday. Make your home a fun place to be where <laughs> your children can invite others over. And then there's never going to be a question as to what they're doing or what influences are being imprinted on them. It's important to stress to our children that there are two kinds of people in the the world, leaders and followers. Stress to them that they get to choose what kind of person they want to be. And in the process of them making that choice, we should be modeling servant leadership to them. We should show them how to be good servant leaders. What do you mean? I'm talking about following Jesus and following the, the teachings of the Word of God as we are leading them in those things as well. Am I making sense? Am I helping anybody? Structure your family as a team. Everybody has a part to play. You know, growing up, some people say, well, I I got allowance, or I got this, or I got that. How many of you had chores growing up? How many of you got paid for all of your chores? See, nobody. Nobody got paid for their chores. That was part of your room and board. I mean, you got to sleep there, You got fed. You're part of the team. So if you're part of the team, they're just expected. I have one daughter that she is super proficient in laundry. Oh, she is so proficient. She is a genius of laundry. She's awesome. And she does some other things too. But that's her main deal, buddy. She is the laundry queen. And then I have another daughter, who is an expert in dishwashing. I hardly ever wash a dish. No, I shouldn't say that. I wash a dish every once in a while. I, we hardly ever wash dishes in our house because we have a daughter that does that. That's her part. Do you know how nice that is that once mom or I have cooked, we don't have to clean up? That's part of the team right there. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I have a son that he takes care of the trash. And he cleans up after his dog. That's his job. And he, they all have other jobs, but those are just their main ones. And they know, look, if that's not done, it's on me. Why? Because they're part of a team. We all have things that we do because we're part of a team. And, and, and our family has to be structured as a team. Our family has to see how important it is that they play their part and that they do what's expected. And it makes them feel better about themselves as well. You're building in good things into their life. You're building in uh, that self-esteem. You're building in that trust. You're building in that dependency on one another. So structure your family as a team. And third and lastly, help them know Jesus for themselves. Set biblical priorities. Structure your family as a team. And third, help them know Jesus for themselves. I don't think, if, even if I spent a whole message on this, it probably wouldn't be enough. But let me just say this. It is imperative that our children know Jesus for themselves. Have a devotional time in your home, which children get to participate in. At times, let them pray over the meals, let them pray over uh, family events, or have discussions about God and Scripture. Uh, Memorize Scripture together. Talk about what you read and what you study with them. You will notice a rise in their faith level as they see the Lord personally answering prayers. Make going to the house of God a privileged event. It's not that we have to go, but it's that we get to go worship the Lord. Let me just share a, a little instance, a personal instance, for how this has affected us. We, most of you know, Ashton, my son, brings two of his friends with him every week, right? Aaron and Yebin. They live about three houses down from us. Their parents work at the Chinese place here in town, and uh, the whole family's Chinese. They're wonderful, sweet family. And uh, they've been coming here for a couple years now. Aaron and Yeben have been coming with Ashton. Well, Ashton was really moved uh, the, a year ago, this past April, and he was really moved by God to pray for his friends. And so he prayed for Aaron and Yeben to receive the Holy Ghost. In the very next service, they receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, Pastor, that's that's nice and that's you know good for him. Here's here's what's so important. Whenever they came in and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know what Ashton told to me told me after the service. He said, "Dad, God heard my prayer." Yes. I said, "Yes, He did," and that's so important to understand. And I know that there were other people that prayed. That's not the only thing, but for for my at the time nine year old son to pray a prayer and then God. He said, God answered my prayer. He knew that. You can't take that away from him. He knows that when he prays, things happen. That God hears him. Amen. That's a powerful thing. So let your children witness your love for one another. Let your children see them uh, see you holding each other's hand. Give those hugs of assurance. Give your children uh, that observable signal that you and your spouse are secure. and That you love God and that you love each other. And help make your children feel secure. They witness the love of God being lived in front of them, not just spoken in front of them. Encourage your children to make judgments based on the principle of what would Jesus do? Sometimes they will choose correctly. Sometimes they will fail miserably. If your children do not make right decisions, and this is very important, and I'm closing. This is, this is it. I'm Honestly, I'm done. If your children... Don't do what Jesus would do. And they embarrass you. And they make you feel bad. And they hurt your, hurt your feelings. And you, you see you know this is not going well. They don't make right decisions. And they're not making these right decisions. Even if they have to be disciplined. Even if they have to be in the corner. Get their spanking. Lose the dinner. Whatever it is. Don't fail to let them know that you still love them. Don't fail to let them know, look, yes, you're in trouble. Yes, you made a bad choice. But I still love you. I believe in you. I think you're going to make a better choice the next time, aren't you? You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because that's, that's how it was for me, man. I made all kinds of bad choices. Look, I was the king of bad choices. I, I got. I'm telling you, I think... I got probably a record number of spankings before I was the age of 12. I I promise. I'm I'm up there with the top echelon of being spanked. But I deserved every one of them. I did. I deserved every one of them. Probably missed a few. To be honest. Just being honest. Transparent with you here. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? There was never a time where I wondered if my parents loved me. There was never a time that I wondered... Are we going to serve God? Or is this just something that we do? We, we just go to church? or No, there was never a question in my mind. There was never a doubt. Because that relationship with God was first and foremost, no matter what else was going on. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you've got to set biblical priorities. You have to structure your family as a team. And then you have to. If you don't, do, if you don't hear anything else I say today, please help your children to know Jesus for themselves that's the most important so today as as we close I want to just remind you that these sweet bundles of joy that are going to come here in just a moment we're dedicating them to the Lord but we're really dedicating ourselves. we're dedicating ourselves to be humble and to realize that we only have one opportunity to make our children's lives ones whereby they'll follow the example that is seen and lived before them They've felt and they've witnessed your love, your stand for righteousness, your consistency. Guess what they're going to do? I like the story of the grandfather who took his little grandson for a walk in the woods. As they were walking along, they stopped for a moment. The grandfather said, Do you know where we are? And the little boy said, No. The grandfather said to him, Well, do you know where we're going? And the little boy again said, No. And the grandfather chuckled and he said, Well, I guess you're lost then. But the little guy looked up at his grandfather and he said, No, I'm not lost, Grandpa. I'm with you. Parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, children are lost as long as they have somebody to follow. We all have to follow God. And as we follow God, they will follow us. We're going to sing this song, and as we do this today, I want you just to sing this with us. It just simply says, we dedicate this temple to you, Lord. And I want you just to think not just of this building, because we've already dedicated this building. I, I want us to dedicate ourselves afresh and anew, and then as we get to the place we're going to sing, we dedicate these children to you, Lord, and dedicate this baby to you, Lord. But I want you to rededicate yourself today. Can we do that? Let's sing it. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Use Him for your service, for a holy purpose. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. The children are going to come around. Feel free to wave at them, smile at them, shake their hand, pat them. We're going to continue to sing this. And as we do, just think about what we're doing right now. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a whole. temple to you, Lord. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a holy purpose. We dedicate this temple to We dedicate these children to you, Lord. We dedicate these children to you, Lord. Use them for your service, for a holy purpose. We dedicate these children to you. we dedicate to you Lord we dedicate these children to you Lord use them for your service for a holy purpose we dedicate these children to you This act of dedication tells the Lord some things that you as parents believe. The first of all, it it tells the Lord that your child belongs to God. That you are the custodians for their care, their nurturing, and their building. But they belong to God. I know many times I could hear my mother pray and say, God, I dedicated him to you. He's your child. I don't know what to do with him. But God, get a hold of him. Your children belong to God. Take good care of God's property. Build them and prepare them for the future. The second thing this dedication tells God is, it's God's will, not my will. That's best for my child. If you're dedicating your child to God, then let God choose their life. Amen? Number three tells them that you will do your best to teach and to tell your child the ways of the Lord. This world is ready to fill the child's mind. But you will instead fill their mind with the Word of God and the things of God. So I want to just present a a small plant here to each one of our families. This plant is a daily reminder to you as parents. Your child and your children are like these plants which need light, they need water, and they need nutrients to grow. They can be made to grow in any direction. If... If every time you look and you see this plant, you can be reminded that there is something far more precious under your roof than just that green plant. I want you to remember that it is your job to care for and to nurture. Even if those plants die, take good care of those kids. You don't have to have a green thumb to be a good mother. There are some of us in here that we can't keep anything alive. But our kids, they're good. I was talking to one of our young mothers the other day, I said, how's your day? She said, well, everybody's healthy, they have clean clothes on, and everybody got fed today. That's a win. They're not just going to give you these plants, these plants are for the parents, but each child today that's being dedicated We're going to give them their certificate of dedication and also they have a Bible that has their name printed on it. So come on and give them their Bibles. The Bible is very important. I don't want you to miss this. The Bible is God's parenting handbook. You want to know how to raise your kids? I'm giving you the handbook. God knows your children and this is a best-selling novel right here. That's the best-selling book of all time. Teach God's Word to them. Children's minds are blank slates at birth and they must be filled, so fill their minds with the word of God. I'll give you just a moment. Kids are like, it has my name on it. Isn't that cool? Felicia. Zaniah. Desi- you guys are excited, aren't you? He's like he's grinning from ear to ear, man. This is awesome. Colton, he's like, I'm just I'm just keeping it chill right here, Pastor. I'm pretty impressed, but I'm not gonna say nothing. <laughs> Grayson and Reed. So excited. Grayson's like, can we do the music again? That's what I like. And then we have Carwins and Aries and Talia. I said them all right, didn't I? All right. I asked him before, I was like, help me make sure I say this right. And then Isaac, we're so excited for all of these families that have come today. We have wonderful parents that are choosing to put their children in the hands of God. Now, I want to just say this before we go into this last portion, the dedication portion. For some of you here, you have not dedicated your children to the Lord, or you just recently came to God and, and your children are so grown now, you, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to try to bring them here. Pastor will not dedicate that 25-year-old. But this is what I want to just encourage you. Don't quit praying for them. Don't quit loving them. Don't quit being there for them. They may be headed in the wrong direction, and you may have been a horrible example to them growing up. But guess what? You're not who you used to be. And if you have made mistakes as parents, welcome to the club. There's not a parent in here who hasn't made a mistake. So let me just say to you that are, this is a harder Sunday for you because you, you know, maybe your kids aren't doing what you hoped they would do. Don't give up. Don't keep praying. Don't, don't quit praying. Don't, don't quit uh, believing in them. God's going to turn it around. Amen. I'd like for all of our parents, if you would, to stand. And I am going to ask you a few things, and I just want you to respond. If you agree with me, just respond at the end. We do. Parents, do you now present your children before God in solemn dedication? And do you consecrate yourselves as parents to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Do you promise to instruct them in the teachings of Jesus Christ, in the practice of prayer, and to guide them in the development of Christ-like character? Do you promise to try to the best of your ability to shape their home life, both by family devotion and by your words and your example, that they will, at the proper age, most naturally come to a relationship with Jesus Christ and into the fellowship and service of the church? Now, I would like for the whole church to stand and join these parents. Because I'd like to give a charge to our church family. Will you please stand and receive your charge. Church, will you do all that you can to provide and support a place of instruction where these children may hear the whole counsel of God? Will you covenant together as a family to set an example by your lives and to maintain an atmosphere which will inspire them to desire to live for God so that these children may walk in the abundant life that Jesus offers? Do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help these parents to be faithful to God, and to help teach and train these children in the ways of the Lord. Will you do as God leads you and pray for their salvation? Those of you that are willing to accept this charge, please answer. With God's help, we will. Amen. And I'm asking for our elders to come. I want all the parents, if you would, just step to the front. Just take kind of a step out and just kind of fill this whole altar area. Our elders are going to come. Some of the ladies are going to come back. We're going to pray for these children and for these families as we dedicate the the children to the Lord and ourselves to the Lord today. How many of you will stretch out your hands? And I want you to do this while while we pray. I want you to pray that God would help you to be a good example to these children. Are you with me, church? Did I lose you? I know this this may not be our norm today, but... I've got people in my mind right now that I can tell you that growing up in church, I loved being around certain people at the church. There were certain people at the church, they would always give me candy. I knew who to go to to ask for candy. There were other people that, that, that were just so nice to me and so kind and always cared and always would take time to pray with me or sit with me or talk to me. And then there were other people in the church that they weren't so nice. I remember one guy that flat out lied about me. Were people that were mean and cruel and said different things to me. I remember those people. That's forever impressed on my mind. So, my point is we got a lot of good people at this church. I want all of these kids to think of you as wonderful people, as the most wonderful people on the planet. So, in order for that to happen, you know what we need to do? We need God to cleanse us, to forgive us, and to help us to be who He wants us to be. Can we do that today? Let's do that as we pray for these families and these children. God to bless these families. Amen. One more time as they're getting ready to go back to their seat. I wonder if you just, if you want to, I wonder if you just come and just put your hands, give them a, give them a high five, shake their hand, let them know that you're praying for them, that you're with them as they go back to their seats. Oh, we dedicate this temple to you, Lord. We dedicate this temple to you, Lord. temple we dedicate this temple to you Lord we dedicate this temple to you Lord wanted to just encourage you to pull out your connection card again and look at the back or finish sending it from your phone. There's some next steps that you can take following the message today. Maybe you'd like to memorize our verse with us or read some of the Bible with us. You can do that straight from the app. Also, check the appropriate box or boxes if you want more information about service teams or growth groups, uh, what's going on around here. We'd love to keep you involved and uh, we've got a lot of great things going on. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, you will hear from Sister Kathy. You'll hear, if you're in Louisville next Sunday, you'll hear from my mother a little bit, uh, as well as myself. We're going to have a special Mother's Day. and. Uh... I always like Mother's Day. Other than Easter and Christmas, Mother's Day is the biggest Sunday of the year. I don't know why. Just a great Sunday to be here. Amen. But we're excited about what God is doing. If you are a first-time guest, uh, we have a free gift for you. I'd love to say hi to you before you leave today. Just come by and uh, in our guest reception area back to my right, your left, uh, before you leave on your way out today. Thank you so much for your giving and your faithfulness. Amen. We are... As I said earlier, we are going to have a business meeting as soon as we have some definite directions to present you with. Uh, the board has been kept informed of everything, so if you would like to know more information, you pretty much know just about all that they know because I shared most of it today. Uh, but I do want to say the board is being kept in, in the loop, and so whenever we have definite direction to give you and we have some decisions to make, we will have our business meeting, and uh, we'll let you know what's what's going to happen then. Amen. God is good, isn't He? I'm not the perfect father. I'm not the perfect pastor. Definitely not the perfect leader. But I want to continue to influence you to go the ways of God. His ways are best. Sometimes we don't understand the ways that God leads us, but His ways are best. So I want to encourage you today. If you've strayed away, you've walked away, you've started thinking, you know what? It's almost summertime. I'm going to do what I want to do people lose their spiritual minds in the summer don't do it don't do it amen keep praying keep reading god's word keep coming be in fellowship with your uh, fellow believers and god's going to do some great things in your life everybody say amen amen brother Dummett. he's going to come and receive our offering and our tithes of